popping up just in time to coincide with the release of Perfect Symmetry, welcome to episode 24 of Beyond the INC, the podcasting equivalent of a last-minute winner from Barry Hales. Apologies for the recent gap in podcasts. Um, I've had my internet cut off, so sorry about that. And I've had some important high-level dicking around to be doing, so uh, I'm not going to apologise for that. Anyway, we're here now to fill you in on everything you've missed in the last week. Coming up today, we'll have a lightning quick roundup of the latest heads and lines, respectively. And attempt a sympathetic reach out to Keane's forgotten American fans. More importantly than that, we're going to be giving you our verdicts on Perfect Symmetry track by track, now that we have proper copies and stuff. Yep, they've even got our names on and everything. So cute. Mm. Really, honestly. I guess we can also throw in some snippets of album reviews from our listeners and from guest publications around the world. And perhaps we'll also find time to go over live. Almost. Almost. To our special correspondent, Mart, who is, right at this very second, chatting to fellow Scottish drunks outside a shop in Glasgow city centre as they await the launch of Perfect Symmetry. Probably eating deep-fried Mars bars. That sounds like an enormous show, though, for a momentous day. Crack open a tenant. It's time for us to go Beyond the Iron Sea. Beyond the Iron Sea. Again, sorry for the enforced break between episodes. Let's make it up to you now with a quick roundup of all the news we've missed. Dong. Perfect Symmetry is out now, unless you live in the US, in which case it might be out by the time you hear this. Or France, where no one seems to know when the hell it's coming out. If you've yet to buy it, make sure you spend the extra on the Deluxe Edition, as not only does it come in awesome packaging, but the special features are brilliant. Dong. Please buy a Beyond the Iron Sea t-shirt from beyondtheironsea.com. They come in two designs and five different sizes... The band are launching the record with a special midnight live show and signing session in Glasgow. After launching Hopes and Fears with a similar event in 2004, it's like the band have gone back to their roots. We'll have a live report on this later in the show. Please buy a shirt. They're cutting off our utilities one by one. Chris is eBaying his shoes. Keane left us both shocked by announcing three tiny impromptu gigs in England and Scotland this week. Tickets for the shows, which will be their smallest since playing New York's Bowery Ballroom in 2006 and the smallest in the UK since playing at Kentish Town's Bull and Gate in 2005, were made available in competitions on the Key Music website. We'll be bringing you the next edition of Beyond the Iron Seed live from the London show at the Capsule's legendary 100 Club on Wednesday. And do let us know if you have a spare ticket as neither of us have one and we'll be outside the venue looking all forlorn, scowling at those people who hold up the annoying signs on Oxford Street. Yeah, you know the ones. Dong. Keen appeared on Radio 1 this week to perform another one of their trademark mashup covers in the live lounge. Yep, this time Calvin Harris and Dizzy Rascals Dance With Me was slapped together with Queen's Another One Bites the Dust. And you can hear it on kingmusic.com now. See, what we'd normally do is play you a clip of it, but as Chris doesn't have any internet access at the moment, we, we can't. Yeah, so sorry about that. Again. The following day, Sugar Babes went into the same studio and honoured Keen in the only way they know how, by musically defecating on Spiralling. Yeah, I, I've not actually heard this yet. It's actually news to me. But it's, uh, apparently it's online on the Keen Music board now, so if you want to have a listen, head over there. Again, we would normally play you a clip of it. But oh, shut up. <laughs> no, we're not being cute. Buy a shirt. There's a bailiff downstairs now. We even had to give up takeaways in favour of trying to catch mice and grill them. Dong. The videos for Spiralling and The Lovers Are Losing are now both online and appearing on that newfangled music television thing that they have these days. Yeah, the Spiralling video features a computer-animated Tom and lots of retro 80s-style visuals, kind of like you get in Windows Media Player, but none of the important people from the band. 
Meanwhile, the Lovers Are Losing video is something of a baffling mess past the first minute or so, and it features Tom being chased by a group of mysterious men, then he gets shot unconvincingly, and then there's a bizarre sequence of events involving what looked like a group of cheerleaders that, frankly, I'd find boring to describe in any detail. Yeah, apparently uh, some fans asked Tim what the video was about, and he didn't know either, so at least some, we can take some comfort well, in that. D- Tim's not in it, for one. Again, the, the band is one person. Yeah, he's probably having a holiday or something. Anyway, you can make up your own mind about that. Both of them are on YouTube right now. Dong. Just to recap, buy a shirt, please. They're £15. Go to beyondtheinc.com now. Before Chris dies of cholera. Dong. And finally, that promotional gig for Nokia that we mentioned a few weeks ago went down a storm. Yep, the show up to promote something called Nokia Remix and their Comes With Music campaign and all that sort of marketing nonsense was a revelation with some of the handful of the fans who made it inside proclaiming it to be the best in years. With a relaxed feel and little security, the band were in their element and the show's success is going to make demand for this week's intimate shows all the greater. Yeah, as he lives nearby, Andrew went to the venue beforehand to bother some of those lucky ticket holders and ask them some important questions about mobile communications. Hello, Clara. Oh, oh no, hello. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Didn't they had the microphone there? <laughs> it's, it's better if people don't know, then you get the natural reaction. Yeah, which was, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a problem that I'm working on. Um, so, um, what, why have you come down tonight? Um, I've come down because someone else won the competition, Sea Keen, because I never win anything. And uh, I thought, well, I'm not going to miss out, so here I am. Very excited. How do you feel about mobile phones? Mobile phones are quite good. They're all right. They're quite useful. I thought I'd never need one, and now I rely on it all the time. A general pro mobile phone statement then. So, so how do you feel then about Nokia mobile phones? I used to have one. I don't anymore, but I used to have one. So that's a good enough reason to be at the Nokia gig. <laughs> Will Keane's shining endorsement of Nokia mobile phones lead you to go back to the brands? No. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Keane. No. <laughs> and that was the news. Beyond the We would like to make an apology to some of our listeners at this stage. Admittedly, we're not being pathetic and apologising for anything that we've done wrong. No, we're infallible, like the Pope. Yep, but rather something that was out of our hands. We were led to believe that the band would be in America this week and were booking promotional appearances to that effect. Now, you see, some of these were announced publicly, like the Jimmy Kimmel appearance, but were later cancelled. This is why news often appears on the official website later than other sources, as they're not going to announce anything until it's 100% confirmed and going ahead. And in this case, that never happened. Yeah, makes sense. But I guess uh, America's loss is the UK's gain, as they've now announced some gigs over here in that time. Now, this could turn out to be a good thing in the long run for Americans. Um, If you bear with me, the band toured the UK and Europe extensively when Hopes and Fears first came out. And it was only then that they went off to America with a proper plan in place for how to break themselves. Uh, once they had everything worked out about the live show and how to show off the record, that was when they went to the US. Yeah, so if they go over to the US with a strategy for breaking the market properly over there, it's going to stand them in better stead in the long term, we think, than to just spend a week over there now. But having said that, I think you and I can both at least empathise with the frustrations of people over there who want them to go and play a full tour there as soon as possible. But I think anyone who's got their best interests at heart is going to be able to understand where they're coming from here. Yeah, so we're sorry for raising the hopes of anyone in Julie. But as with everything that we talk about on the podcast, it was based on the most up-to-date and reliable information that we had at the time. So, sorry.
This is it. After eight months of talking about it, we finally have an album out there. And by we, I mean Keen, rather than us. Yeah, we didn't we didn't record it or anything. <laughs> uh, but we, as in us two, did actually listen along with some of you guys last month at our special event. But the last week was the first chance we've really had to acquaint ourselves with the record. Um, now that it's been on our stereos for a full week, I think we both feel comfortable at last about giving it some, some of our full official thoughts. Yeah, let's do that. Um, let's start off at the start. Okay, so spiralling. Um, what, what can we say that we hasn't already been... Exactly, I think we've, we've done spiralling to death. Um, at least people are now hearing the, the proper version rather than the version that's been doing the rounds for the last month or however long it's been out there. Um, it's, a great, it's just a great way to open this kind of album. Absolutely, yeah. One thing we should say, actually, is if people have been listening on Laughs FM, I think that they'll like it more once they hear the CD because there's so many nuances in there. These you know, shakers that I... I've never heard in, you know, listening countless times to the MP3. The, the claves sound great on CD Yeah, and, well. and just, just vocal echoes and things that I completely miss from an, an MP3, which you've got to remember is sort of a low-quality version. Um, we don't want to come across all audiophile here, but um, y- you'll never you'll never regret getting a good-quality amp and a CD player and then running this album through it. There's so much there to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. We've said everything that we can possibly say about spiralling, but what rating are you going to give it, Chris, out of 10? Ooh, I'm going to give it an 8. I'm going to give it a nine. Ooh. Um, very, very high scoring to start with. Um, so the lovers are losing next. We, <laughs> it's funny that we, we dedicated almost a whole episode to savaging this at the uh, at the time. But um, I'm coming around to it now. Actually, I, <laughs> it's funny because I've, now that I've listened to it in the context of everything that's come before it, I think when we first heard it, we it's very hard to play something in the context of two songs from an album. Um, particularly because you lose sight of everything that's come before it. You don't listen back to the old material. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, if you if you put this in the context of uh, the big sweeping singles from before that, this is the last time, Somewhere Only We Know, um, this has a really good place in, in, in the pantheon, basically. Um, I, I reckon this is this might be their best sweeping ballady song ever. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly heard people say that. Um, the one thing I want to know, though, is what what that voice says in the outro. If anyone knows, well, do let us know. This is um, this well, on the copies that we've got, which are um, promotional copies. There is this this um, voice in the outro, and I've heard some people tell me that this is a this is uh, an evidence of a watermark. But we we don't think it is. We think it's a voice, some kind of message. Um, we just can't. We just don't know what it is. A bit like the voices in the INC, really. Yeah, something like that. So um, you're rating out of ten then for the lovers are losing. Um, I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to give it an eight. I don't want to come off of here as you know super generous. I, I, I'm sure I'll get you know, more, more harsh as we go on. Um, again, we've talked lots about better than this. Um, you can, you know, the ashes to ashes influence is obvious. It's been talked about a lot, so let's not go any further. That's just in the sound of the opening riff, though. I mean, yeah. apart from that, the song has very the little in great, common. Great falsetto. Um, just a, a great vocal performance. Um, some really great vocal performances from Tom on the on the album. I still haven't quite put this in the context of the album. Somehow, I, I still consider the first three tracks a bit separate to it's like an EP to on its own. Yeah, almost. You know, I just having heard it so you know so many times before. Yeah. But yeah, great stuff. I'm going to give this nine. This this <laughs> this is going to be an eight. Next one then. Uh, you had me, Chris. I think that means you haven't told me anything. Yeah, Um It's still flat in the context of the record. Um, when we played 
at an evening with Beyond the Iron Sea. It was funny how the first three tracks that everyone knew had a great atmosphere, and then this kicked this kicked off, and then lots of you know hands on chins and and stuff. But live, this is a, a beast, and it, it's going to be, I think, in the same way that some some tracks aren't don't have a, a massive following, but are, are fan favourites live. This is going to be a fan favourite live, and I think people are going to want it in the set for years to come. But in the context of the record, it's more. It's an off-track rather than an on-track. Hmm. I'm not sure about this one. I, I think I'm going to completely disagree with you and say it's better on record than live. Really? I am going to say that. I also think that, you know, the middle-eight bit, um, I think that should be in the chorus. So I, I would swap the whole song around completely because I don't think it sort of kicks in enough. The oingy-boingy bit. I think um, something I've seen in some of the press reviews is that it's a bit too subtle for its own good. And I go along with that. I think it could do with having a little bit more of the, the brashness that it has when it's played live. The um, the huge bass drum that was talked up so much appears, what, once? Twice? Something like that, yeah. Um, it's almost there. It's almost there, but it's not quite. it's not quite good enough. But live, this is a 10 out of 10 song. But... What do you reckon on record then, Chris? What's your rating? Six. How about you? I'm going to give this a seven. Ooh. I thought you would have liked it a bit more. Um, I do. I do really like it. And it's... I'm going to struggle with this. Can I have seven, seven and a half? Go for seven and a half. Okay. It's... If it wasn't so good live, I might have given it more. That seems like an odd thing to say, but... Fair enough. Seven and a half. The big title album track, Perfect Symmetry. Yeah, what can we say? I mean, this has been talked up so much, and it, it sort of is a big, big, huge rock song. I it's, mean, uh, it's swaggered in from hopes and fears. Mm-hmm. Um, I can definitely see that this is the song where they said there was a Springsteen moment in in the um, mm. in their studio blogs. I mean, the, the middle eight is epic. It's sort of it's an anthem, isn't it? It really is. Sort yeah. of a stadium anthem. It, I mean, this is perhaps the most nakedly stadium song that they've done since they were actually big enough to play in stadium. Mm-hmm. If you see what I mean. Um, before Hopes and Fears there were stadi- stadium songs in toilet venues whereas this is the first if you look back to Under the Iron Sea it was people say it was a claustrophobic record because it didn't have huge moments like this on I don't think yeah I mean I, j- I just I just love this song I mean it ticks every every sort of anthem box there is um, it's got an awesome sort of bridge bit which is always the good sign of a great song I think mm. I mean I do like Perfect Symmetry it's very old fashioned mm-hmm. um I think the sentiment is going to get them into trouble in future. And it's not so much that I don't think that they should be writing songs about this. I think they should. But I worry that it's a bit... Preachy. Not so much not so much preachy, but it it's brushing with a very, very broad brush. Yes, it's, it is. Um, it's going to take a lot of people a lot of time to realise that they are not getting at them as people. And I think they might have trouble with this in certain, you know, some parts of America, I would imagine, where religion's very important to people, where it does seem as though organised religion is being painted very badly, but I don't think that's the the intention specifically. Mm. Although naming the album after this song certainly won't help that. Yeah. Uh, making the best song. You know, you look at some of the lyrics in there, um, and this, this sort of anti-religion an- religion anthem that you have, I assume that it's only you know it's meant to be an anti the extreme parts of religion, but mm-hmm. trying to make that point when all people have is this song on the CD is going to be very difficult. So anyway, regardless of the uh, controversy that's going to probably surround this track for for years to come, what do we think of it? Pregnant pause. 
eight and a half. I'm going to give it a nine. You don't see me. That's not a statement. Um, you don't see me. Lovely little track. It is. I, th- I thought it was quite Sigur Ross actually, in, in in some ways. You know, with that that sort of chimey piano. In some ways, that's uh, again going back to classic Keen with the very sort of pure piano sound, which is the first time you really hear it on the record. Yeah, it's a very trad Keen song. It's almost pre hopes and fears. I think it's certainly got some of Tom's best vocals in in years on it. Really shining vocals that I think some of the the girls who looked him smoking probably would think that he's going to lose one day but um really fantastic vocals mm definitely uh, i personally love a Kanye West remix of this actually with some really really fat beats um it's just got a great sort of feel to it um that's that's bollocks i'm going to say that that is the single worst idea i've ever heard you would love really? Kanye, you'd love Kanye West to re- remix you don't see me yes i mean they've already talked about you know giving songs to remixed people and they've talked about working with Kanye West so. I, I would have said get Kanye West working on spiralling no it's t- too obvious I mean g- g- get, get him in to do the cut out the the spoken word section the ranting get Kanye West in to fill that gap that is that that would be fantastic no I'm sorry I mean but g- get Kanye West to redo You Don't See Me <laughs> it, it's, it's what I do I mean Coldplay are doing Lost with Jay-Z so you know that's a, that's the, a kind <laughs> of are you comparing Lost to You Don't See Me no, but I mean they're not sort of massive up tempo in your face songs. But I mean maybe you know a Keenan Kanye versus Coldplay and Jay Z charity single should but be I on mean, the cards. T- no, yes, no. This yes. is this is literally bollocks. Okay, let's 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 let's, let, let's not let's just agree not to talk about this again. <laughs> okay, but I mean, like, I don't want to get sidetracked here. But Lost Scott Bongo's in. That's perfect for for Jay Z. Whereas this, I mean, what do you? What, yeah, sorry, we'll see. Rating out of ten, please, Chris. Seven. Six. Again and again. Um, <laughs> it's the human league, isn't it, Chris? It is a bit eighties, isn't it? I mean, no, 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 it's not just it's not just eighties. It's the human league. I guess it is. I mean, we were talking about guitars for for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And if you ask me, this is the perfect song to throw it in. If you watched him play this live, uh, what his right hand's doing on the uh, red keyboard that sits on top, that could just be played on a guitar. It's this, you know, the big riff in the intro and. Uh, in verse two, there's some really, really cheesy synths, which I could just imagine him strutting around playing. So, get a guitar on that song. That that would be really cool, actually. Yeah. Um, it's um, for all of you know, for all of the over overlaid stuff, it's it's still very keen. It's almost like the the up tempo songs on the INC, but without the you know, it has the added benefit of not being shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, which it, which plants it straight ahead of you know leaving so soon and. Mm-hmm. Um, that I thought put it behind you uh, already. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it sounded very kind of, very, very foreign to me at first, but I mean, it sounds more and more like Keen each time I hear it now. It's a, it's a good pop song, and I think it's probably a contender to be a single at some stage, but definitely. Um, I think there's, there's, you know, when you look at this, and there's maybe five possible singles, and there might only be four from the record. Then I think there's nine possible singles. Mm, interesting. Um, I think we'll, you know, we'll talk about that in weeks to come. So again and again, with the big riff and the da 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 da, nine out of ten, eight out of ten. No, no, seven and a half. I don't want to go crazy here. Seven and a half. Okay, um, seven and a half. This is very scientific, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> playing along. Um, this is actually my least favourite. You know. Really. I, I'm really, really not digging this at all. 
I mean, th- me, I'm just playing along. You and I, a billion people, all just playing along. Not exactly the best lyrics Tim's ever written. It's not the point of the song, Chris. You've managed to miss the point of the song. No, I know the point of the song is the big outro, but I mean, he, they surely could have come up with a better first three minutes. It's a pretty power. It's a, a powerful song already, and it's the the guitar lines are the important part of this track. You listen to the you listen to the the second verse. Listen mm-hmm. to the guitar lines in the background. Yeah, brilliant. But I mean, in that sense, I guess it is a bit sort of two thousand keen, isn't it? The sort of stuff they were messing around with with Dom it's, Scott. It's better on than it. that. It's better than that. It's. Mm. Um, I I think by the time this builds to the conclusion, I think this is amongst the best things that they've ever done. No, I I see the point of the outro. You compare this to um, A Bad Dream, which does the same sort of, you know, start off slow and then build. And I think we said that A Bad Dream is is, already dated, um, despite it only being a couple of years old. Disagree. But um, this is, you know, I think this, this buries it in a lot of ways. No, I do see the point that, you know, you, the, the first section has got to be sort of quiet to contrast with the, the, the loudness to make it seem, you know, really, really epic. But it just, it's just a completely boring first three minutes. Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, so I, the way I, it opens with the news reports, it's brilliant. Okay, look, give me, give me a rating. I'm giving that four out of ten. Four out of ten. You're an idiot. Eight. But anyway, I said that was uh, Tim's worst lyrics. I think coming on to a song that might oh. feature Tim's best lyrics. Pretend that you're alone. One of the best keen tracks ever, We Can't Believe the Backlash. Uh, take the we out of that. I can't believe people don't like it. It, uh, it. Talk me through this. I think it's a fun, upbeat, light-hearted keen track. I mean, keen have always been very kind of somber and serious and, you know, and very, you know, earnest, but for them to have fun and to be doing something, you know, crazy like this, something a bit talking heads, is is just fantastic. I mean, it sort of, you know, blows away this this conception that Keen write indie windy songs, uh, you know, about about non-existent girlfriends. But Spiraling already did that in a lot of ways. No, but but not in such a fun summary pop song. I mean, I can imagine sitting in a field playing this on a guitar in August, surrounded by friends, drinking beer. I can't imagine you sat in a field surrounded by friends drinking beer in any case. Uh, yeah, apart from <laughs> apart from the fact I don't have any friends. But, you know. uh, but no, um, more seriously, I wouldn't put it as the, the best Keen track ever, but I do feel conflict about this because on one hand, I do like it and it's I love the up-tempo part of it, but the monkey lyric at the start, I can remember hearing that for the first time at the playback and it, it threw me completely and... I just can't find a place for it yet. But it's got saxophones on it. It's, it does, and that's what makes it great as well. But I can't find a place for it yet. And until until I can really properly come to terms with it, I can't rate it as a great song. It does sound sort of slightly embarrassing. And part of me can't shake that sort of that, that Robbie Williams and Guy Chambers style, um, you know, the way that he kept on, you know, coming up with lyrics about monkeys and, you know, up-tempo, odd pop songs with, you know... It, weird instrumentation in like this it does sound very Robbie Williams-ish and that's not cool there's nothing wrong with Guy Chambers no there's no, nothing wrong with him apart from when he was dicking dicking around basically mm. I, I read a review this morning that's, that basically said it almost exactly this um, that this sounds like you know Robbie Williams pissing away EMI's money at, at, you know, at his worst but I, I don't think it's that bad either I don't I really, I, I, I one moment, the, one moment. I think it's a, it's a great track, and I can see where it fits in on the album. And thematically, it's there, and it's great to hear them trying something different. But on the other hand, I'll hear it and I'll just go, "Ooh, that's a bit of a cringe." Hmm. So I, I can't. I'm not even sure I can even rate this properly, Chris. 
Hmm, I'm going to completely disagree. I'm going to give this 9.5 out of 10. I mean, I'm, I think this is brilliant. I'd love to hear this with sort of a full percussion and brass section. Maybe even throw a verse or two of Once in a Lifetime in there. You're, you're crazily ambitious. I, I, sing, I can't place a rating on this, Chris, so I'm going to have to give it 5. Um, five. I'm going to have to put place it somewhere between awful and great. Um, so I've got, I've, I've got to give it 5 and be non-committal. Fair enough. So, almost at the end now. Um, Black Burning Heart. What a great track. Yes, marvellous. Um, no, I, I really like this now. Um, it's got a great... Um, it's got a great atmosphere to it. It's got that, mm. that sort of vibe that, um, that Tim always talks about. Mm. I mean, I think a lot of people were let down by this because um, it was bigged up as a you know, big, big, loud song, but it's not at all. It's sort of more introspective. It actually reminds me of Smashing Pumpkins, you know, later stuff, sort of Machina era. I, I don't know. I don't like the Smashing Pumpkins. Well, it, it does to me anyway. It's got the same kind of claustrophobic um, intimacy. And this to me, this is this is um, the album's crystal ball. Yes, um, because it's going to divide a lot of people. It's quite a big pop song, and I, I love Crystal Ball, and I still do. But there are a lot of people who never quite got it and never enjoyed its bluster, and it was a bit too straightforward and poppy. It's it's a bit of a bleak pop song, though, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's very very sound, earnest pop song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like Crystal Ball. Um, in that, you know, it's pretty downbeat in its theme. But yeah, and it, I think it'd also be a great way to finish off the set. I mean, I can I can imagine this being sort of very yeah. near the end, just like Crystal Actually, Ball is. Th- this being this being the last song before the encore would work out well. But mm. um, the French bit is pretentious bollocks, and it's um, it's needless. Um, um, the French people who I know who've listened to it find it slightly laughable. Um, and the people who aren't French tend to find it slightly pretentious. I, I need to listen to it a few more times, I think. I haven't quite made up my mind. But it would be interesting to hear, you know, the band's opinions and why they put that in and what they were thinking. What, what, <laughs> what's it got to do with anything? Why do you need a French bit there? I'm sure there is a reason. Or maybe they just thought it'd be cool. Pretentiousness. Keep it away. Pretentiousness and keen don't mix. Um, rating, Chris? I'm going to give this a nine. You're so generous, apart from two other songs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think this is an album that actually gets better as you go along. I, I, I mean, the first tracks are okay, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going for I'm going for eight and a half. Yeah, it really, really does get better. And speaking of which, love is the end. Been around for a while, and I will make a bet now of fifty pounds that this is going to be a single because we know that there's a radio edit of it around already. So. Mm. Um, but I, I'm certain this is going to be a single, at least in some part of the world. Um, it's got quite a slating, actually. If you look at some of the reviews, which admittedly we should, probably shouldn't reference that heavily in these uh, these reviews, but it has got slated for being too old-fashioned. But it's mm. it's such a gorgeous song. Um, we've talked about it before, but it's it's like the best Rufus song. Really, I can definitely see so many shades of, of Rufus Wainwright stuff in here. Yeah, I mean, that end bit, and so I tread the only road. I mean, that still gives me shivers, after, and I've heard it, you know, 20, 30 times, and it's, it's still oh, amazing. Yeah. Well, in in the same way that Atlantic always, whenever you tr- make the transition from the first half to the second half, that that's always just such a heart-stopping transition, and this is another one of those moments. Yeah, good point, actually. Yeah, the musical saw... Um, also sounds pretty good. I mean, I think a lot of people have got confused. It's uh, it starts off with a cello at one minute thirty three, mm-hmm. and the uh, saw doesn't kick in until two twenty eight. Can I, can we just like have a moment of appreciation for cellos and cellists, especially lady cellists? Thanks. So, 
it's still a great song, and it's it's going to be the last song in their set for for hopefully at least an album or two. Yeah, the new bed shift. Um, there's not really too much more we can say about it. A rating, Chris? I'm going to give this one eight and a half. I'm going to follow you eight and a half. And that was our review. <laughs> so, looking back on it, your your favourite track. In what sense? It's it's so difficult to say. I mean, in, in in doing something a bit different, pretend that you're alone, in having a classic song, perfect symmetry, in having some audacity, spiralling, in, in beautifulness, you don't see me. I mean, it's just got so many angles. And that's the thing, actually. Every song is different. It's it's such a varied album, which is so nice to hear. That there's, there, there aren't, you know, too many copies at all. Um, I think my favourite is spiralling still, because it's still... It's going to be one of their songs which is remembered mm-hmm. more than any other almost because while their big anthems are ingrained in the, the consciousness everybody's changing as you know they're going to be on magic fm in 20 years time Definitely. but spiraling is one of the first things that you could you could basically if you ever have the playground arguments of people saying you know you like keen um which is something that chris martin talks about with coldplay Spiraling is probably one of the the first things that you could you know you could stick that in their face. Could you possibly give marks out of ten for the whole record? These are final, arbitrary, useless marks out of ten. They don't really mean anything, but it's always nice to slap a number on it. Eight point seven six. Eight point three one. No. Seven point eight one. I'm knocking off half a mark because I still don't quite get pretend that you're alone. So that basically, it's either eight point three one or seven point eight one. How's that? Good. Excellent. And that was our definitive review of Perfect Symmetry. Last time, we invited listeners to send us their thoughts on the album, so we thought we'd give one of you a few minutes to tell us what you think. So please, tick bow, Melissa, as you're our winner. Here's what she thinks of the record now that she's had a chance to listen to it in full. I'm really loving the album so far. Um, you know, I have to admit when the band were saying that it was going to be, you know, maybe a little dancey and have kind of an 80s feel, um, it kind of made me raise an eyebrow. But, you know, listening to it, I've had nothing to worry about because it just sounds really awesome. You know, the overall 80s retro feel sounds cool. You know, it's not complete 80s cheese. So, you know, it still sounds, you know, new and kind of fresh. And, you know, it's not techno dancey either, so... You know, it still sounds like Keen. Um, I think the album is strong both lyrically and musically. You know, I think the melodies are really intricate, and I love that. And I think they you know, really make use of the fantastic range that Tom has as a singer. And the harmonies and the backing vocals are awesome, too. You know, I really think having Tim, Richard, and Jesse doing kind of backing vocal duty has really filled out that harmony and giving the backing vocals a really rich texture. And I love that Keen have used such a variety of instruments, you know, particularly percussion. You know, being the music nerd that I am, I've enjoyed kind of percussion spotting with this album. You know, picking out all the instruments they've used, like cowbells and claves and bongos and things like that. And I like the way that they've used the synths in this album. You know, they're not overbearing, and I think they fit the songs really well. And you know, really kind of complete the '80s vibe that they were going for. And the same thing with the guitar. You know, it's not overpowering you know so many people were worried when Keen said that they were going to be using guitars on this album but I think the guitars like I said just fit in really well and they they 
you know, really complete the songs. And, you know, I get a sense that the, the synths and the piano are still the main focus, but the guitar is just there to kind of round everything out and kind of fill it out. I think that the bass is really funky and cool on a lot of the tracks, like Black Braiding Hard and kind of some of the faster numbers. Um, I mean, it's got a really funky, groovy feel to it. And, of course, Richard's drumming has, you know, sounded awesome, too. Um, and just going by what I'm hearing coming out of my laptop speakers, the mix sounds a lot better, too. You know, with Under the Iron Sea, um, everything just sound really, sounded really loud. Um, and now I feel like I can kind of hear all the parts equally. I really think that the band have grown as musicians, and certainly Tim as a songwriter. And I think that their rediscovered love of music and that sense of fun is really coming through on this album. And I really admire the fact that Keen have taken a bit of a risk and made an album that is you know, a little bit of a departure for them. I think it's, it's fresh, it's funky, it's beautiful, it's sexy, you know, so many things just wrapped up in one you know, really great album. And I, for one, am really proud of the band for accomplishing something that they themselves are so proud of and you know, are, are so excited to share with everyone. And you know, I think this album's going to blow everybody away. Thanks very much, Melissa. As we promised earlier in the show, we have a special live report now from Glasgow, where the band are tonight launching their album with a free show and signing session. Yep, long-time lover of the show, Mark McDonald, is up there now, chatting to some of the locals about what they make of it all. Hello everyone, and uh, this has now become the March show rather than the Chris and Andrew show. Uh, they have been unable to come up to Glasgow for the album launch tonight, so they've got me, their Scottish correspondent, to come in and give you all the latest news and gossip on what's actually happening. So, I can tell you that uh, with a couple of hours to the doors meant to be opening, that uh, there are in fact already a queue of about uh, 10 or 15 people waiting, and the usual hardcore hardcore fans are already there at the front, and uh, I'm going to ask them what they're thinking and what they're looking forward to about this evening, the excitement's building, let's find out what they think about it. And so the first person, who is very familiar to us all here, and she's travelled up for... How far have you actually travelled then? It's uh, none other than Kerry, who's a forum moderator and forum admin and exquisite band photographer, all things to all people. What have you got to say for the podcast, Kerry? And why, are you, why have you travelled all this distance for an album launch? Um, I don't really know, <laughs> but um, I need to say, decided late last night, um, made a phone call, inquired whether there was wristbands available, and there was. So, on a whim, um, booked a train up, left home at about 8 o'clock this morning, arrived into Glasgow Central at 4.30. What do you think is going to be the best part of the season? Is it going to be the live stuff or just the fact the album will be out and see what the reaction will be, the signing? What's what's the best bit of it for you? Um, It's just just being here when it all kicks off. It's just, um, you know, it's it's an opportunity to hear some of the tracks stripped down to the bare minimum. Um, And, yeah, just to say hello to the guys and get our album signed. Cool. Let's hope that uh, Glasgow treats them well and keeps us well. Mark continued to work the crowd out the front of Zavi in Buchanan Street, but curiously, he just couldn't find any Scottish people to talk to. How odd. Well, his next victim was another lady from down south, Nikki. Any thoughts on why they picked Glasgow for the launch? I've got no idea. Why aren't they in London? I'd like to think that ultimately it was something to do with me. 
So with a bit of perseverance, Mark finally stumbled on a local lady, and she'd brought along something very special for the band to look at. Oh, now uh, apparently we have Amber here who has her own banner. Oh, aye. What does the banner say? Keen, funnily enough. Keen. <laughs> and it's got a mix of uh, under the iron sea seahorses and uh, some it's lots of colourful stuff from yeah, Perfect Symmetry. Yeah, it's based off the spiralling artwork, but it's kind of, I went off on a tangent with it. That's yeah, very good. That's a, they, will, they will appreciate the effort, I'm sure. Yay. And with that, the growing Glasgow crowd headed inside, where they were treated to a beautiful five-song acoustic set, consisting of The Lovers Are Losing, Is It Any Wonder, Perfect Symmetry, Somewhere Early Wino, and Spiralling. So, with all that done, Mark caught up with the crowd after they'd had their merchandise signed. OK, that's it, over, and a uh, lovely acoustic set, signing, all good. Girls, what's your opinion on that? Exactly. <laughs> Kerry, what's Mark, your opinion on that? Then? That was the dog's balerics. Balerics? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just excellent, yeah. Really, really short, but just, um, yeah, had everything. With the band in such a relaxed mood, there was plenty of insider gossip to be had. I've got a bit of an exclusive for the proms musical song. Ah, Straight okay. from the horse's uh, mouth, shall we say. And finally, you can always rely on Kerry to pick up some interesting little morsels, such as these from Tim. Uh, Tim told me that the album actually wasn't due to be released until next year, um, six or seven months away from what it is now, but they just felt that they was in such a good place with it that they was good to go for the release, so yeah, nice little bit of information. And Tom went to Glastonbury and he didn't watch Jay-Z, he was in the comedy tent. What a fool! <laughs> Because he's got 99 problems. Yeah, but he's <laughs> Yeah, excellent. Well worth the trip up. So, uh, thanks a lot to Mark for enduring a whole acoustic set and signing session, all in the name of the podcast. Brave fellow. Anyway, lots of interesting stuff there, and it does sound like everyone had a great time. Um, just speaking from a, a purely selfish point of view, let's hope that the next album it gets launched down here in the capital. Then Chris and I will be able to get along in person. Beyond the So we're done for now, but we'll be back very shortly with our first ever all-live episode. Yep, we're going to try to do the whole show from the 100 Club on Wednesday, featuring special appearances from, well, whoever we can find to follow on the street, really. We'll then be speeding straight home from the gig, either during the show or after it's done, depending on whether we're actually allowed into the venue. And then we'll try and get it online within minutes of the last note being played. How beautifully ambitious. So if you're going to be at the show on Wednesday, or if you've just got anything you'd like to tell us about, bother us now on beyondtheinc at gmail.com and tell us about it. Yep, for now, enjoy your copies of Perfect Symmetry. Play them to death and repeat all week. And we'll hopefully see you down the front very soon. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.